Hello all and welcome to Accidental Careers, the podcast where we talk to people about their jobs. Was the path there windy? Were they jobs they even knew existed? Let's find out. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the podcast where I will be talking to Angela from Angela Langford Skincare. Hi Angela and thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Lindsay. How are you? I'm all right, actually. I'm not too bad today. The weather's turning, though. It definitely is. It's very autumnal here. Indeed, indeed. Although when the snow starts, I do quite like it, so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, as, as you know, we talk about people's accidental careers, and we're going to talk about yours. Quite fascinating, and there's been a couple along your journey. But let's start at the beginning, shall we? When you were at yep. school, you had ambitions to be lots of things. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I I don't think I've ever been that um, focused. I guess, but <laughs> um, I I quite wanted to be an interior designer, mm. and I also wanted to be a barrister, and I also wanted to be a vet. Wow. Okay. So all very different jobs. <laughs> very what, different what... jobs. When you got to the point of actually choosing subjects to study at college, what did you? What road did you follow? I I studied French. <laughs> <laughs> so yet another curveball in there. What yes. was the thinking behind that, Angela? Well, I um, so I wasn't clever enough to be a barrister or a vet, and I wasn't very good at art. So I sort of thought I couldn't be a interior designer and um I was quite good at French not brilliant but I loved it and um yeah so and I love France and yeah I think I just chose chose I mean listen with a language though I think I say to my own kids you know having a language gives you another string to the bow that nobody else has got so um it's definitely kind of ace card having a language do you think I I mean I don't know if it's been an ace card but I definitely I love the fact that I can um, speak another language. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I really love it. I love, it's nice when you're, you know, if if you're traveling. Yeah. Converse a bit, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. My my kids take the mick out of me because I do that really like, can we have, and they're like, (laughs) mum, they're not deaf. You know, they're just talking a different (laughs) language. So um, I'm sure it's really useful. When you were at school and you you kind of, uh, you know, you just said you was you weren't bright enough. Is that was that by your own? Did you decide that yourself, or did did your results determine that? What was careers advice like back back when you were at school? Um, it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't mm-hmm. brilliant. I think. Um, I mean, I wasn't an you know, I wasn't a top student. Um, I was rubbish at maths. I I, I found I found it all really quite difficult. Mm. Um, and I think. Um, I think the careers advice, I think I was told, you know, go and work, go and work, go and be a secretary or something. Oh, it's you know. a common theme I'm getting from every woman I've interviewed on this podcast of a certain age. A computer spits out a piece of, yeah, it really is. It's quite, quite frustrating, really. And, and one of the reasons uh, for doing this podcast was to try and inspire the young generation coming through, you know, to kind of really empower them to believe they could be 
whatever they wanted to be. You know, we, we, none yeah. of us, well, lot of people I've met on this podcast, me included, didn't set out with the um, the goal in mind to be where we are today. It, you know, something happened or changed, and yeah. everybody, everybody of of my around my age remembers the careers advice being piece of paper that was spat out with some scorecard and everybody was told to be a secretary yeah yeah how frustrating yeah so you studied French up to what level um Angela was it did you do a levels did you go on to do a degree I did my degree in French yes wow so you're fluent pretty much then I what I mean I say that was a weird thing I I um when I started uh my degree I was I wasn't it was you know, I struggled. I found it really, really difficult. And mm, I got okay. really quite bad. You know, I didn't get great results. Okay. And then I had to do a year in France and as part of the degree. Mm-hmm. And I was a teaching assistant. And oh, wow. that's when everything changed. I I suppose I was just completely submerged in in French life. Yeah, and I lived with a a couple. I I rented a granny annex, um, basically, mm-hmm. and they um they didn't speak any English, and I, everything changed. Then I was just submerged in 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 French culture, in French language, wow. and I went. I started the year, um, being you know barely passing any you know any exams or any coursework, any essays that I had to write. Yeah. I barely, you know, I was barely passing them. And then after the year in France, everything, it just all clicked. It just, I think it just, I think basically I'm a much more practical person. You know, I I learn through actually doing rather than yeah. learning. That's amazing. Did you come home from France after that year? Yes, I so I I um I spent the whole year there and then I had to come back and finish my degree so I did another year I was in Nottingham mm-hmm. at the poly if, when it was a poly fabulous so then yeah. once that degree had finished did you have ambitions to go back to France what happened did you get into the work life over here what happened um, after uni so after that I um I I think I wanted to go back to France and mm. I wanted to have a job where I used my French, but I couldn't find a job that you, you know, where I was using my French. So I moved to London and um, I got a job. My first job was for the Prince's Trust okay. and um, in their sort of marketing department. And it was just a bit of a fluke, really, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, and that that first job kind of set me in this marketing PR world, mm. and I stayed in that for quite a long time. But working in completely different, all different industries. So that was an accident in itself. Getting into marketing, first accident along the way. Yes, yes, totally. I mean, I think I thought, you know, oh, that sounds quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, I didn't really know much about it. Uh, yeah, total accident. I think, yeah, not very planned. Well, some t- some th- some things are best not planned, aren't they? I guess. Yes, uh, definitely. And you, you've had several different roles in, in marketing, um, but the the one that kind of um, seems really interesting that I'd like to talk about is in the gaming industry. Tell us how you got into that. 
So, um, so I um, I travelled actually. I I so I left a job and went travelling in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, went travelling for a year. Came back. Came back. Came back to London, and um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to um, freelance. Okay. I don't. I think, but I think maybe just traveling made me think I don't want to be stuck in a in a job. Yeah, a same job, job all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. So I started to freelance, and um, one of the jobs I got was uh, so everything was in marketing, and um, I got a, a contract for um, an online betting company, betting and gaming company, uh-huh. and I kind of thought I have no interest in this. <laughs> but uh but I like marketing so I'll go and do it and it's something different and it was all internet and that was all very new at the time of course um, yeah so yeah so and I was an area that I didn't know anything about so I thought well this is good I'll get some experience and I stayed there I did six months there and then they asked me to stay and I said no I I'll never take another permanent job again because I love the freedom Mm. and um they persuaded me to stay so I stayed there and then from whilst I was in that job um I got uh I got headhunted for a job that was in Gibraltar okay and so I thought well I've always wanted to you know I like I've always wanted to live and work abroad so I'll go for the job and I got the job and I ended up Staying in Gibraltar, working for a couple of different companies um, for oh God, I don't know how long, but too long. But um, <laughs> too but, long. Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy. Um, I lived in. I worked in Gibraltar, and then I lived uh, in Spain, um, in an amazing place, in an absolutely amazing place. Oh wow! But, yeah, it was. It was very Spanish. It was on the um Atlantic coast and uh it was about an hour from Gibraltar um and it was a ama- it was just fabulous absolutely fabulous and eventually I got made redundant from that job mm. and it was at the time I thought this is the worst thing that could possibly happen but mm, as we do as we do yeah it was the best thing so was it Gibraltar you didn't like, or the the industry, or the 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 people? Or what was it you didn't like? Because Spain sounds fabulous, and I can tell when you're talking in your voice you enjoyed the Spanish part of it. So yeah. was it Gibraltar, or the companies, or the industry? What was it you didn't um, like? Sort of all of that, really. That I didn't. Okay. Gibraltar's very. It's a. Um, I'd never been there before. And no, I've never been. No, it's it's a bit like being in Groundhog Day. It's, oh. It's just, I mean, this was a while ago, mm. so um, it may have changed dramatically, but um, it was very small. You'd see the same people doing the same things at the same time. It was just, <laughs> it was just very peculiar. And then the industry and the companies that I worked for, it was, it was just not really, it wasn't a very nice, it wasn't very friendly it wasn't oh, a very God. nice working environment. There were some mm. nice people. Um, and funnily enough, one of them, uh, an Australian girl, she's uh, coming to stay with me in a couple of weeks. Oh, she so you kept friends, Australia, yeah? Yeah. Oh. So I made some really good friends there, really good. 
So after your redundancy, was it whilst you were out there that you found your new happy accident or was that when you got back? No, that was, well, yeah, it was, it was whilst I was out there. So I'd been made redundant Mm. and, um, and I thought, well, I just, I know I want to work for myself next. I know I'd like to set up my own business. Yeah. And at the time, um, I thought I would import Spanish food into the UK, which mm. sounds nothing now, but at the time there were it was really difficult to buy Yeah. You know, not it was, something, it, yeah. Yeah, it was it wasn't an easy thing. You now it's now it everything's changed so much, but mm. um it wasn't easy to find Spanish food. Maybe if you were in London it was okay yeah. but if mm-hmm. you were anywhere else and maybe outside of any city it you was couldn't get access find. yeah mm-hmm. exactly so I sort of thought okay that's what I'm going to do I'm going to import um Spanish food into the UK okay and so I set about you know working on that and then at, because I had so much time on my hands I and and because I wasn't going back to the UK as often because mm-hmm. i you know, because I wasn't, I was, when I was working, I would travel backwards and forwards for work. Yeah. Because I wasn't doing that anymore. I um, wasn't able to buy the products that I was, that I used to buy for my skin. Okay. And I had so much time on my hands and I thought, oh, I wonder if I could start making something. <laughs> and, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, really, I don't even know <laughs> why I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> but um, I started to do some research and I started making products really just for fun. For yourself, yeah. Yeah, for myself. Mm. And then I went on a course and um, and that was an accident and that totally changed things again because I went on one course, I loved it, I loved everything about it and um, so I then enrolled on a series of courses and after a while, I thought, actually, this is probably what I'm going to, This, I think this is what I'd like to do. Like to do. It's so nice when I hear people just discovering things literally by accident like that, because you were, sounded pretty set on bringing Spanish food to the UK, which sounds like a good idea. I do like Spanish food. But, yes. um But I do like your face oil better. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did that. So how long ago was, was, did this start, Angela? So this would have been, God, I'm terrible at, I'm <laughs> terrible at time. I don't, um, this would have been, I, God, I think this would have been in about maybe 2010 or okay. something like that. Maybe, okay. no, maybe 2008. I don't know. A long time ago. So you've um, had a pretty decent run at it so far then. Yes. I mean, mm. I, I, I didn't start, I, that's when I sort of started investigating Training, I suppose. Mm. yeah yeah and did you do those courses in the UK or, or back in Spain in the UK I in traveled UK. back um for them fabulous so so I so far have been lucky enough to experience the face oil which um not only is the face oil magnificent it smells divine and it comes perfectly packaged I thought it was a real personal touch on your packaging was that kind of something that you wanted for the brand Yes, um, I'm so pleased you love it. Thank you. I did really love it. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think when I um, when I first 
started when you know actually then thinking okay let's make this what I really do Mm. um and I knew it was going to be an online thing um but because online is so anonymous and you're just Mm. you know you just um you you can just buy anonymously and it's you know faceless and everything I I didn't like that I wanted to give the experience you know a much more personal experience rather Mm. than just be you know buying something and not having any relationship with the brand that you're buying from yeah um yeah I thought it was important to build to I wanted people to know that they could trust what they were buying absolutely so so it kind of felt a little bit like you'd personally made that oil for me and that that's a feeling I got I kind of got and then it had recipe cards in there and and kind of give me a bit of something that I guess uh, people buying it wouldn't have paid for. So they're getting uh, getting something extra. So I've obviously experienced the face oil. Talk to us about what else is in the Angela Langford skincare range. So, um, so it's mostly um, uh, face products. Yes. Um, And there's everything from cleansers, um, exfoliators, masks, moisturizers, face oils um wow yeah it's there's quite a few products there's probably sounds like a sounds like a nice night in to me that does (laughs) (laughs) brilliant and so is that just online at the moment where are you up to with things it's obviously a brand in its own right it's 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 out there in the market for sale how how are things kind of going have you had to change anything grow develop Um, so well so when uh we're still online. We're, mm-hmm. we're, I mean, we're predominantly online. Mm-hmm. We're trying to um, work with some small uh, independent therapists to, mm-hmm. who use the products in their treatments. Um, but predominantly, right. we're online because I think we're we're such a small brand, mm-hmm. and to get out into you know to be taken on by a retailer is just. I mean, we're, you know, we're tiny and I make everything myself. So yes, yeah. it's not made in a factory. It's not, you know, it's, I make it all myself. So I don't think really, I, I don't know how I could ever make it. I don't think I can make that quantity to be sold in somewhere like Boots. Or, or Selfridges you know, or, or, yeah. Self, or, yeah. It kind of... um there's so, there's so many people and I think, uh, you know, my advice would be don't put that barrier in your own way, you know, because I've spoken to so many people who have started as, let's call it artisan business. And I know yeah. yours is, is more than that. Um, but then have gone on to gone on to great scale, you know, so a couple of, uh, well, quite at the beginning of this process for me, I, I spoke to um, Candle and Home Fragrance Maker who... Um, was hand pouring every candle herself, you know, yeah. and as they start to get into more stockets, they have to find a way to get that route to market, you know, so whether that is scaling up, staffing up or doing whatever, but I guess, um, and actually listen, Joe Malone started out that way, Angela. Yeah, so, that is very true actually, isn't it? That is, and I, that It's is very, true. very true. And I listened to Joe Malone on a, somebody else interviewing Joe Malone. I, I didn't get a, yeah, surprisingly, somebody else did. And they interviewed her and she talked about, um, you know, an insane sense of smell and how she just decided to make a fragrance. And, and the next thing, Estee Lauder's buying her out. So, um, yeah, 
Yeah. Keep yeah, that in I your guess, mind. Keep yeah. that in your mind. I, you're yeah. right. I shouldn't be um, confined by that. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, I'm sure it would be an absolutely, you know, scary thing if if somebody comes up and says, well, actually, I need 10,000 bottles. And you're thinking, oh, God, am I going to do this? But you'll find a way. You'll yeah, exactly. I think you always find a way. So next next steps for you? Are you I know, obviously, you're kind of going to continue on with this brand. But have you got any um, any any kind of plans to develop into other products? Or are you sticking with the range you've got? No, I think so. I'm I'm constantly being asked for, um, funnily enough, candles. Okay. Um, so I, I am toying with that idea, but also, um, uh, probably, I just need to probably develop a few more things. So I, one thing I would really like to develop, which is quite tricky to do is, um, a natural SPF because. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think, and I would, me and my husband would definitely buy that um, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. He's just been looking into, we went on a holiday this year and he's quite, um, he's quite up and quite concerned about all of that kind of kind of thing. And as I was spraying on the Factor 50, because I'm pasty as you like, um, yeah. he was using organic coconut oil. And I said, okay. you will, you will fry alive. You will fry alive with that coconut oil. And he used it sparingly. It's got a natural SPF of four. Um, and he, he had the best tan of us all. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he didn't want to put the, the, you know, the branded or not a branded kind of, uh, uh sun cream on himself. Yeah. yeah. Chemical. Yeah. So I think there would be an absolute massive market for that. I wish you all the best with that. Definitely. Thank you. Without a Thank doubt. Yeah. And if pe- people listening to this podcast, Angela, want to buy some of the fabulous face oil or anything else in the range um, and get the personal uh, touch when they receive it, where do they go to? They go to AngelaLangford.com. Fantastic. And they can order online. And I know it was a it was a quick delivery. And I and I kind of appeal to everybody listening. Treat yourselves, ladies, without a doubt. Yes. And gents. And gents, of course, let's yes. not let's yes. not discriminate. You're right, yes. indeed, you're right. <laughs> well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Your journey has been um, an interesting one. Um, glad you're back in the UK. I'm glad you're making skincare for us, and um, I hope to see you soon. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for your time, Angela. No worries. Cheers. What a beautifully wholesome conversation that was. Angela has had quite a career. I, for one, can vouch for that face oil, so I suggest you go get some. If you want to listen to more of our Accidental Careers podcasts, find us on your usual platforms, Spotify, etc. And leave us a review so we know what you're thinking. Until the next time, thank you, everybody.